listening to a Sharesies podcast. It's Friday the 6th of May. This is Recap brought to you by Sharesies. Sharesies is a wealth development platform where our purpose is to create financial empowerment for everyone. Here's the disclaimer. Investing involves risk. You aren't guaranteed to make money and you might lose the money you started with. Any information we provide is general only and current at the time. If you're looking for help with your investment choices, we recommend talking to a licensed financial advice provider. G'day there, Crystal. Happy Friday. It's a casual Friday. Best episode of the week. I'm just going to keep on singing. Maybe I'll do the whole podcast singing. Nah. Oh, that won't be annoying at all. No. (laughs) Particularly when I go Tom Waits. What if I did in Tom Waits? Tom Waits, you know, it'd be like, oh, the stocks are down, the stocks are down. That would be a really, like, unique concept, you know, for, for the podcasting world. Yeah, man, you can't get enough of it. Monetize that, for sure thing. Hey, uh, lovely to have you on the podcasting, Crystal. Always a pleasure. Great to be here. Yes. Uh, actually, we've just got some really important news before we crack off. Uh, some really important news about Recap. Your favourite little financial podcast is going on a small hiatus. Yep, come come Monday, Arvo, there won't be a recap waiting in your podcast basket, but don't worry, it'll only be a short-lived exile. And when recap does come back, it'll be in a different format and we'll be trying out some new things. In fact, today's episode will be a bit of a taster of what's to come. Yeah, today uh, we're going to quickly look at the latest news from Netflix, but we'll mostly be listening to an interview I did with tech commentator Peter Griffin. I talked to him about how the tide has turned on tech stocks, particularly the big tech names from the States. Uh, We go on a bit of a deep dive on what's exactly happening there and how different companies and sectors are coping or not coping, uh, such as it is. And one of those companies is Netflix. Now, as you've heard on Recap before, Netflix has seen its share price decline after the company missed its subscriber growth estimates. In January, Netflix revealed its growth in subscribers was weak, and then in April it said it had lost 200,000 subscribers in its first quarter. Yeah, that led to drops in the share price by 20 and 30% respectively. And now a group of Netflix shareholders are taking the company to court They've been hit with a lawsuit that claims Netflix misled the market about its ability to keep adding subscribers in recent months. Yeah, the lawsuit says Netflix executives didn't disclose that its growth was slowing amid increased uh, competition and that it was losing subscribers. The lawsuit is seeking damages for investors who traded Netflix shares between October 19, 2021 and April 19 this year. This is actually the second lawsuit to be filed against Netflix in a month. In April, a Russian firm launched a $700,000 lawsuit citing that Netflix's refusal to provide services in Russia was a violation of its users' rights. Uh, Netflix, as I'm sure you remember, stopped streaming services in Russia in response to that country's invasion of Ukraine. Netflix has yet to comment on the shareholder lawsuit. Yeah, and Netflix's woes over the past few months are just a reflection of a much wider downturn in share markets around the world. Yeah, Google's growth has slowed. In fact, its parent company Alphabet missed its expectations in the first quarter earnings, which surprised Wall Street. Yeah, for example, Tesla's stock is down, as is Meta and Amazon stocks. And for some, this was unthinkable. Tech stocks have been riding high for years 
and they had a real boost after the 2020 pandemic crash. So what happened? I talked to tech commentator, writer and investor Peter Griffin. I wanted to know what's driving the downturn, what it tells us about those companies and sectors affected, and if it's right to say it's all gloom and doom. And I started by asking him to describe the last 10 years or so of tech stocks. What kind of story has it been for the publicly listed tech giants? It's really been a growth story. It's been these companies that are touting exponential growth, uh, uh, and a lot of them aren't earning much money at the moment. They're not profitable, but they're selling the the future story, and the market has bought into that story. You've got the you know the Fang sort of companies, the the Facebooks, the uh, Apples, the uh, Amazons, Netflix, and and Google, those sorts of companies that have actually. Uh, built a moat around themselves so they have huge protection against other competitors uh, that you know the very lax regulation of the last 20 years or so has allowed them to really blossom and thrive if they don't have the skill set themselves they go out and acquire companies to do it so you've seen these you know the big tech companies have done incredibly well they've fended off competition they've built up these massive user bases and they've sold a story of of perpetual growth and, and that has seen their share prices uh, you know, rise massively. They don't pay dividends by and large, but if you're a, an investor with your portfolio, you're seeing, or you saw until recently, some decent gains. And that's really been the story for about the last 13 years or so since the, the global financial crisis. So that's, that's sort of abruptly changed. Mm. 2020, we saw that, that sort of mini dip that when the pandemic locked everything down. And that led to a lot of panic buying, but some some good deals as well when there was like a 20 or 30% dip in some of those stocks. Since then, through the pandemic, it was very good for tech. So there was um, strong demand for, for cloud services, remote working. So the likes of the Microsofts, the Googles, even the Apples, you know, people were buying new devices. So that growth story continued. But that, was, that whole period was an, an era of, um, of low interest rates. Um, uh, cheap access to, to cash, and it funded a lot of the growth of these companies, particularly the, the, the second-tier companies that had to borrow money to, to grow. They were getting relatively cheap money. That's all sort of coming to a halt now with the, the tightening of the money supply, the crippling inflation we're seeing in the US, which is mirroring what we're seeing here. Um, the cost of living is, is going up. That's hitting not only consumers, but the companies that are trying to buy um merchandise, uh, supplies, as well as talent. We've got this massive tech talent crunch. Uh, so their cost base is starting to increase. And they sold this, this story to shareholders. We will provide fantastic value for you into the future. And now you've got all this pressure coming on that. And it's been reflected in what is really a mini sort of tech wreck. Um, over the last few months, you've seen all of those companies I've mentioned are down 20 to 30 percent with a few exceptions Microsoft is less so um, but we're also seeing some of those big companies start to miss their earnings or more importantly are looking out to the next quarter and then the next year and going well all of these factors mean that it's not as rosy as we thought and that's when you start to see the backlash and it's been a very strong backlash because it really contrasts with this perpetual growth story that we as investors have been sold and I think a lot of us suspected that we we're in a bubble um right uh, I was gonna <laughs> say like I mean there were people uh, you know 10 years ago going yeah. hey this is this can't go you know predicting another bubble yeah in tech the idea of perpetual growth just doesn't 
stack up. You've got to take that with a grain of salt, right? Yeah. Well, the you know uh, interesting exchange on um, Twitter uh, just in the last week. Bill Gurley, the the venture capitalist who uh, has put money into Uber, Grubhub uh, companies like that, he put out a tweet. He said, "An entire generation of tech entrepreneurs and investors built their entire perspectives on valuation during the second half of an amazing thirteen-year bull run." And now they're having to unlearn those expectations that I'm going to have a, a unicorn company within a few years that there's going to be endless cash. VCs are going to be falling over themselves to invest in me. And the person who came, who came back to him very quickly was Je- was Jeff Bezos, you know, one of the richest men mm. in the world, uh, uh, founder of Amazon. And he said, yes, I agree with you. Most people underestimated the remarkableness of this bull run that we've been in. Such things are unstoppable until they aren't, which is great coming from him, who's done so well out of that that bull run. Um, but right. um, this perpetual growth for a company like Amazon, how much stuff can you continue to sell? Uh, how many more quarters of growth can can you have? It's just sort of uh, there are limits to growth, and that's why a company like Amazon has has diversified into into cloud computing, into into retail, into other types of things, artificial intelligence, and w- why we're seeing these companies like uh, Google steer away a little bit from advertising. That is still the cash cow for Google, but you know their Waymo d- division, their driverless car technology, is starting to to make inroads. Mm. Um, so these companies, that that's why I think while they're down thirty or forty percent for the year, in, in some cases. These companies are the companies that will be around for the next 100, 200 years, and they are building the technologies that will power the, you know, the future. The exponential technologies like artificial intelligence, robotics, driverless cars, some of them are into biotech as well. So we're talking about gene editing and those things that will revolutionize our, our biology. So the value that they're creating is still there. It's just it's a murky picture, identifying it in, in the midterm with all these global factors that are weighing on them. Mm. I was going to say that you know, Bezos would know about downturns. I mean, Amazon itself came through the dot-com bubble. <clears throat> that didn't make any money for a no, long time. No, totally. We, we've talked about a lot about the big US names. What about uh, the down-under players like Zero, you know, the Aussie disruptors? Uh, what's happening in that space? Yeah, s- similar. You know, a company like um, Zero is down, I think, um, somewhere between 20 and 30% as well. So that, that sort of... Um, software as a service sort of you know sentiment is, is weighing against them a bit at the moment particularly those ones where you know zero is built around small businesses that um subscribing to zero is quite expensive for a small business um for a two or three person band business so that's a that's a nice to have it's not necessarily a need to have you know you can still buy a relatively cheap um, accounting package or you can use good old mm. Google Sheets if, if you really need to. You can even go pen and paper if you like. Yeah, yeah. so I mean it's great, it's obviously a great product and it has this ecosystem that yeah. plugs into it but you know, I think the market is, is recognising that they may lose subscribers or the growth at least is going to slow as people go, well, I'm, that, that's 600 bucks I don't have to spend. So um, others like At- Atlassian, a great you know, Australian company, does sort of business software but again it's sort of like a discretionary spend the sort of software they do augments what people do improve their productivity in in the in the business place 
but do they actually really need it? It's the sort of spend, particularly for new customers, that could be deferred for a, a, a few quarters. And, and, and those are the sorts of companies in our part of the world. We don't have the big consumer tech companies, the big streaming platforms that are listed stocks. We have B2B companies, Pushpay, for instance, yeah. um, which, is, well, which is really you know, involved in the, in the charitable giving sort of sector. So anything that's exposed to consumers to any degree is feeling the pain at the moment. Anyone that's really about enterprise tech is is insulated to some degree from it. Um, and we've seen that with the earnings of Microsoft, which is down for the year, but relatively less than some of the other companies because it has an incredibly diversified business. Sure, it sells Xboxes and laptops, but the core of its businesses is cloud computing. It's Azure cloud services. And that's been going gangbusters throughout the pandemic and is holding up now. So all those companies doing um, cloud computing, cybersecurity, so stocks like Palo Alto Networks. So those sorts of areas are are buoyant at the moment. It's really, as we saw with Netflix, the ones that are exposed to consumers who are feeling the pain. What are those big tech companies doing in these tough times um, to kind of shore themselves up and, and represent value to shareholders? Uh, you know, there's been a couple of buybacks we've seen with Apple yeah. and Alphabet. Uh, what are they doing? How are they, how are they readjusting? Well, that's something over the last few years has been um, a, a big thing for tech companies is, is these buybacks. And the reason they want to do that is to increase shareholder value. Um, they buy back the shares. So... Um, you know, there's less there's less shares sort of in circulation on the market, so there's more demand for them. So the price Im- improves, um, and that is because a lot of them have a huge amount of cash. You know, Apple has tens of billions of dollars of cash. Facebook and Alphabet the same. They don't need to put all of that into R and D. Um, a lot of them don't pay big dividends, so it's like, what do we do with this cash? An efficient way to use that is to is to buy back the shares. So that might slow down now as they need cash reserves potentially to see them through some rough times. But I, th- I think probably the, the, the big thing is is just cost containment, and we saw that with Netflix and its results. It's yeah. cut the slate back quite aggressively. Megan Markle dropped, <laughs> dropped her show. Gutted about that. Absolutely gutted. <laughs> so, um, so they may get more conservative about about you know sinking a hundred million dollars into a show. I mean, Amazon has put nearly a billion dollars into the Lord of the Rings prequel that it's been producing well for a while was producing in New Zealand. Are they going to make those sorts of bets in future in a market where they could you know lose millions of subscribers in the course of a couple of quarters? So I think cost containment and and I said about talent, the biggest problem for those big Silicon Valley giants is access to talent. And the cost of recruiting and holding on to staff is through the roof um, for those big U.S. companies. They're desperate for people. Without the best software engineers, cloud architects, AI experts, their roadmap starts to look shaky. And that's what they've sold the market is the future value of the company is the value that these brains are going to bring to the company. Mm. Maybe it's not all gloom out there, though. There will be investors who see this as a as an opportune time to buy the dip. Uh, thoughts on that? Yeah, I think there there are opportunities. And look, I'm I'm not a, a financial whiz by any um, stretch of the imagination, but I'm reading people like Cody 
Willard, who's the hedge fund manager um, in the US, and he, he recently just looked at um, the the price earnings ratios for a lot of these companies, considering the the fall in value off them, and some of them are looking a lot more attractive now. Um, but the list that he published recently, when he considered their earnings over the last twelve months and analyst projections for the next two years, um, it's actually the the more sort of staid conservative tech companies that are looking pretty good. The likes of Intel has has a pretty attractive PE ratio at the moment. You know, big names been around for a long time. Not the sexiest sort of tech stock um, in recent years, but if you look forward, uh, they are desperate. Well, the US is desperate to uh, reduce its reliance on Taiwanese chip makers. So the Biden administration has pumped a lot of money into um, getting the semiconductor industry in the US, you know, back in expansion mode. Intel will benefit from that. So will Qualcomm. AMD, even some of the uh, the telcos over there, Verizon, um, you know, have a sort of a real captive market for 5G and, and those sorts of services, are starting to look more attractive again. Microsoft um, is is touted as one that um, is, is high growth, but probably considered to be more of a conservative um, company. So picking through the sort of the, the wreckage of all the red ink there, there are some really good buys. But as 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 Cody Willard pointed out this week. There's also still some super expensive stocks, despite the drop in value of some of them. And he's talking about the the higher risk ones like like Rivian, the you know the electric Ute um, maker, even DocuSign. He he considers to be you know hugely overvalued overvalued at the moment. So there's it's a good time to if you're into the speculative stuff. Um, there's you know they've all been knocked back tw- in some cases 60, 70 percent. Yeah. So if you're up for a bit of risk in your in your tech portfolio, that's the, the the way to go. But for me as an investor, you know, I've bought in the last couple of years since that dip in 2020. I bought quite heavily then. I did well out of that, but have bought continuously over the last two years. So I'm underwater for a lot of these uh, investments, but I'm comfortable about that because I'm 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 in these tech companies for the next 20 or 30 years. I know I'm not going to get a dividend out of them, but I, I'm going to watch these companies hopefully continue to revolutionise the world, the likes of the, the, the Googles and, and others like that. They're not going away. Um, they will have ups and downs, but there is, they have an unassailable lead in many respects. Yes, the long game is the sweetest game, as they say. Yeah. Well, I don't think they even say that. I think I just made that up. No, that's, pretty good, that's a pretty good saying, though. You should uh, tout that a bit more. <laughs> um, but also Very diversification, kind. you know, is, um, is just... And that's why ETFs are really good. I, I like, you know... ETS because instead of freaking out when you open your Sharesies app and go, oh my God, look at Palantir, look at Alibaba, which has been a train wreck. And that's another thing is the Chinese stocks. They've been hit really hard by President Xi, you know, basically saying, you're out of control. I'm reining you in. This is how business is going to be done. So they've lost $1.5 trillion collectively in value in the last year or so. But there's a big opportunity there because Xi has also said, I want big tech in China to be the engine of GDP growth um, over the next decade in, in his country. So there's nothing to stop us riding that wave up. They will continue to um, grow very quickly and generate revenue. There's you know, 1.4 billion people in China. So that's, that's an opportunity. So, But 
yeah, diversity is, is the name of the game and all those things like dollar cost averaging, that it, that's the mantra these days is like, great, you know, it's a good time to, to buy now, but you could see it, a price down 20% uh, next week as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> so don't, do, don't blow all your investment capital in one go. Yeah, walk in with your eyes open, do your research. Exactly. Um, and, yeah, play the long game. Uh, thanks so much to Peter for his time. That was a really interesting chat. Um, and that's just about time to wrap up the show. But before we do, I just wanted to say this is my last recap. I'm moving on from Shazzy's to a brand new sparkly job. I will still have a toe in Shazzy's pond, though. I'll be working behind the scenes on Shared Lunch our weekly podcast and webinar show. If you haven't listened to that yet, I recommend you do. So I'll still sort of be around every now and then. Uh, I have enjoyed Recap. I've been enjoyed it immensely uh, bringing it to you guys, and I hope you have enjoyed listening to it as well. Uh, there is a lot more to come, so stay tuned. So best of luck, and I hope to see you around sometime. And now for the last time... May, 6th of May, thank you for listening. Uh, we'd love you to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Our email is recap at sharesies.co.nz and you can leave a voice message. There's a look at the episode. I'm just doing um, Cookie Monster now. This is giving me flashbacks to like when you did that monopod. Like, didn't you do something similar to this? I don't know. I feel it's, like it's... you went quite like... I was alone. There's no one else in the office. I went off. Hey, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, as I say, do stay tuned. We'll see you next time. Matiwa. Matiwa.